Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. I'm joined by Greg Barnes and Jason Staples. That, of course, means we're going to talk a little football. And seeing as it's late May, early June, we're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of Phil Longo's offense. Down the road, we'll do Jay Bateman's defense. Um, but, Jason, I'm going to bring you in first before we sort of get into it and just sort of tease our Inside Carolina subscribers with what you're working on here, you know, over the next two or three weeks um, and what they can expect maybe to check out on the website. More like the next six weeks or so, uh, I'm working on a panoply of uh, of videos, both of, of Phil Longo's uh, past stops and breaking down uh, some of his specific concepts and how he teaches specific concepts. So one of the next ones I'm going to look at is actually one of the, the key air raid staples of, of uh, the four verts and how he teaches that. Uh, we're going to look at uh, how he, how they do mesh. We're going to look at some of the key plays that Longo is going to, going to use, some of which, you know, Larry Fedora used four verts plenty, but it's how, how it's taught and how he, how he's going to have, uh, how, how he's going to have his offense doing that. And then we'll do some running game stuff. And then I've gotten some uh, some all twenty two uh, defensive film of Jay Bateman's prior stop at Army, and uh, I'm going to be breaking down uh, some of what he showed, uh, what he has showed on defense against different looks, and basically how that's that's different from what they've done because that is radically different from what they've done on defense uh, in the past few years. So uh, really, ever at at, at uh, North Carolina, so we'll be looking at just schematically what what he brings to the table. Although I really think as much schematic differences as Bateman brings. One other thing I'm, I'm going to have a little video series on, and it's already been covered a little bit. Um, actually, I think Greg, you did some on this uh, is his, is Bateman's calling card really, I think is more about his emphasis on uh, certain fundamentals in particular tackling and the way that he teaches that. And we'll go through that uh, with some video stuff, particularly from practice uh, to break down that a little bit more as well. So there's going to be a lot of video content the next uh, really two months or so uh, six weeks. Uh, coming into the uh, into camp uh, to have everybody familiar with what they're going to be seeing in the uh, in the season once we once we get there. Greg, I know you love this kind of stuff. You always want to you know drill down. Jason's in the process of doing that, but your thoughts on uh, you know the excitement maybe for you as is covering something different and like Jason just said that radically different than we've seen at North Carolina just. Um, give us your thoughts on what you expect to see and what you want to learn and have learned studying. Let's try to stick with Longo for this podcast, but j- just on that air raid um, side of it, and I ask you guys off the air, what the hell's the air raid? It's compared <laughs> to everything, you know, all the other offenses, and that's what I, I do want to talk about. But, Greg, your thoughts overall? Well, I think the fact that you kind of in our role, the ability to see something new, We've rehashed Larry Fedora's offense for so long and what he liked to do and what Gene Chizik liked to do and Papoujis and, and everybody. So we're, we're basically starting fresh. And the fun thing for us is that you know, this is red meat. This is something we really haven't tackled before. 
for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the X's and O guys like, like Jason is, but I've, I've heard about the air raid. I've watched it from afar. I remember you know, when how mummy and, and Leach were at Kentucky and how everything kind of played out there. And I've kind of watched this progression along the way, but I haven't really you know, been able to dive into it. And then the kind of same way with Jay Bateman, you hear people talk about, ah, it's positionless your defense. And you're like, what? And then you kind of start peeking around. And it's just very, very fun to see. Now, does that mean it's going to, going to work necessarily? No. But what it tells you is that these are guys that are willing to kind of roll the dice and they have faith in what they're doing. They've had success. Mac Brown saw that, uh, knew he needed to kind of make a splash schematically. And so we'll see. And maybe it doesn't work. Uh, but I think the fact that both these guys have had a lot of success, uh, when you add some talent in there, it, it should work pretty well. Um, and so that, that to me is the fun part of it. Now, what I want to, what I want to ask Jason is we haven't had a lot of time to sit down with, with Phil Longo, but in bits and pieces of interviews that he's given, here's some things that he said. He said he wants to keep his offense simple. He says he wants to use tempo. He says he's not really worried with a true balance between the off the, the passing game and the run game in terms of number and plays. What does he want to do? He wants to take what the defense gives him. So that means he's <laughs> going to throw 70 times one game. He will. That means he's going to run 70 times one game. He will. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of plays. And so uh, he doesn't, he doesn't care about how many points they score as long as they score more points than the opponent. If you're a North Carolina fan listening to this, that should all sound familiar. Those are <laughs> all things that Larry Fedora said over the years. So getting to, to Tommy's point, we hear about the air raid. We hear about Longo wanting to add a run game element to it to differentiate it from what Mike Leach is doing and really what Kingsbury is doing to make it more like what Lincoln Riley is doing in Oklahoma. So for the casual fan, how big of a difference are they going to be able to see on game day between what Longo wants to do and what Larry Fedora was doing in 15 and 16 when his offenses were flourishing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. So, so I, I think the first thing to deal with though is, is to get to the root of that question in terms of what is distinctive about the air raid versus just any other spread. And I think that's the place to start because that's really where Phil Longo's offense starts. I mean, he is a Mike Leach disciple in lots of ways. I mean, when I was at the clinic and talking to Longo and in the small group breakout session with Longo, he referenced Mike Leach multiple times in terms of, well, when I was with coach, coach Leach, this is the way that he said to do it. This is how we've developed off of that and so on. So there is a lot of that. So it's it's a very much air raid oriented system. So that in itself is different from what Larry Fedora is doing because Larry Fedora's system grew out of the option. Larry Fedora's system, and you can go back to, I don't know, it was 2013 or so when I first uh, put together uh, some some pieces for Inside Carolina. And, you know, this is on the old, old uh, network. So uh, some of that stuff probably hasn't transferred over very well. Uh, but uh, But you could go back and take a look at, the the breakdown of the fed spread when he first got there and really what what fedora did is he was working with fisher deberry out at air force who was running something more similar to what paul johnson runs or ran 
uh, than, you know, anything else. And what he did is he just took Fisher to Barry's scheme and he spread out the, the wing backs in that flex bone and put the quarterback in the shotgun and then made it into a triple option out of, out of a spread with a little bit more air raid influenced passing game out of this as well. So he pulled some of that stuff in, but that wasn't the, wasn't the core of it with Longo. It's flipped. He's starting from the air raid side, from the Mike Leach, Hal mummy side, starting from the we're spreading to pass the, pass the rock. And, it's a money ball approach to say that, look, in football, the tradition has been to run the football over and over and over again, that you have to run the football to win. You know, and then you start looking at the analytics and you say, well, geez, you know, you're leaving a lot of yards and points on the field when you're running the football more often than you should. There's actually the efficiency gains are at the throw it more and get better at throwing because the premium is in in passing, you get a lot more bang for the buck in, in throwing the football a bunch. And so that becomes the emphasis of it's sort of playing money ball uh, by committing to a pass first approach rather than a run first approach. And that's really what made the air raid distinctive to begin with is they went four wide, no huddle. And we're going to, we're going to run the two minute drill and throw the ball 70 times a game because you're just not equipped to defend that over and over and over again. And we're going to commit to doing this because we think the efficiency that we're going to get out of that is higher than doing things traditionally. So it was a money ball approach. Now things have converged a little bit as you in- integrate things like run pass option, as you start to, as you saw the, the advent of the, the read option stuff with Rich Rodriguez at Clemson years ago, you start to see all of those things working, and then the air raid guys start saying, okay, look, this is great. We're way more efficient between the 20s, but then once we get inside the 20s and things tighten up, turns out you got to run the football a little better than what our teams do, and that's why you know, we don't win all the time. So now, you, now they start borrowing from some of these spread option teams, from some power concepts, and integrating that into the system. And that's what Phil Longo has done, is he basically has taken that traditional – air raid pass first approach and then he's done the same thing Lincoln Riley has and said okay let's take that and let's integrate let's let's dip back into some other things and let's bring in an H back let's bring in some power football let's bring in some of this stuff and hybridize that with the pass emphasis that we have that we've got really good at coaching and we're going to we're going to pull from that so just in terms of the the basics of spread offense where you're going to where balance is based on you know taking what the defense gives and all that it's not going to look much different than a Larry Fedora offense when a Larry Fedora offense is humming but in terms of how it's coached in terms of philosophically where you start Longo's offense does not start with running the football running inside zone read as the core bread and butter Longo's offense starts with four verts and mesh and with uh you know the the, the triangle uh, uh, concept that that I already broke down for Inside Carolina that video series. Some of those things. That's really where he starts. It starts with the seven on seven pass concepts, getting really good at those, and then we got to be good at running the football too. But it really starts with a lot of that because it's air raid first, and so that's the the sort of framework in terms of where it's rooted. The differences there. 
that allows us to step into kind of level two of what makes the air raid the air raid in terms of the concepts that air raid offenses run and that, that make them distinctive. And one of the things that's distinctive about the leech mummy approach that lots of teams throw the football around a lot, but what leech and mummy did is they basically boiled it down to like 13 pass concepts, sometimes even less, but basically, you know, you've got a handful really of these are the air raid staples. These are the, the, every air raid offense is going to run the heck out of about five, six concepts. And really there's about 10, 10 to 13 that, most air raid teams are going to run, but there's going to be, you're going to pick your five concepts and you are going to rep the bejesus out of those concepts. Most air raid teams, that's going to start with, with four verts where you're going to, you're going to have four receivers running vertical up the field. And if they don't meet resistance, you're just going to have four all goes just all go from four guys. And you're going to tell the quarterback to, you know, basically see where there's space and throw there. But that then brings in the second feature of the air raid, which is whether it's four verts, whether it's mesh. And again, I'm going to break all this stuff down for inside Carolina. What makes them distinctive is that they'll only run say three pass plays in five drives. You know, let's say they, let's say they install three or four pass plays. They may only have three or four, but the receivers this is where mummy and, 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 and leech pulled from a lot of the old run and shoot stuff from the 1980s. The receivers are given a ton of flexibility on how they run what they run. So it's basically fine space. So it's not just go 12 yards plant and turn this way. It's look, if you're going to be running into a defender there, then don't run there. <laughs> So, you know, four verts suddenly, depending on how it's defended, might turn into all hooks or two guys going vertical, one guy coming straight across the field because he makes the read that, oh, that guy just took away my vertical. I'm snapping it off across the field. The quarterback should be able to read that. And now it looks like you're throwing a, a dig route. It's a totally different pass play. But guess what? It's the same pass play. It's actually the same play. It's just what the player is doing is different. And that's what makes air raid offenses so distinct is they're repping a handful of concepts hundreds of times to where players are able to react and respond in a blink without thinking that, Oh, guy just cut me off. Now I got to snap that across the field instead of continuing on my path. And, and it's basically training guys to, it's very similar to, to, you know, this is, this is North Carolina basketball, right? North Carolina basketball runs a lot of motion. There's not a lot of set plays, but Roy Williams, year in, year out, trains his guys to, to run within specific sets. Here's what we're looking for. Secondary break, when you have this look, then you're going to do this, and it should be natural, and you rep it so many times that you don't even think about it. And it's, it's not a play. It's more of a philosophy than it is a exactly and that's what the air raid is is it's a philosophy of why am i going to tell my guy to run straight up the field and keep running when there's a guy right there why not just tell him to sit down and tell the quarterback to take the free the, the free space that he's given why would i tell my guy to keep running when the defense cuts him off when i can just have him stop on the mesh and all of a sudden there's a there's a spot in the zone and the quarterback can just take the five six yards 
So, but the thing is, just like with Roy Williams' offense early in the year, well, you know, sometimes it looks a little rough, especially with freshmen. By the end of the year, well, you know, guys start to figure it out and it becomes second nature. And then it's really, really hard to stop. And that's why air raid guys will spend all that time in camp. They'll install everything in three days and then they reinstall everything the next three days. And then they reinstall everything another three days. And you're just trying to, and then from then on, you're just repping these things hundreds of times to the point where quarterbacks know what their receivers are going to do. Receivers know what they're supposed to do. And all of this is supposed to work without the coach having to tell the player, okay, I want, you know, they, they're doing this defensively. Now I want you to read this and I want you to snap that across. No, no, no. He should be able to do that automatically. That's what makes the air raid, the air raid. And that is different from what Larry Fedora did. And, and, and again, with as limited hours as you have to, to coach college football, what the air raid allows you to do is it allows you to identify these are the concepts that allow us to hit these specific spots or these things on the field to use the space the most. And we're going to commit to that. And we're going to leave all this other stuff that might be cool. We're going to leave that stuff on the sideline and we're going to focus on getting really dang good at these few things so that we have an answer to everything. Not, not in the plays that we're calling, but in how our players are going to respond. And that's a philosophy and it takes a lot of discipline. I can tell you this. I can promise you this as a coach. It takes a lot of discipline to walk in there with a three by five card that has all your plays on it and say, no, we got everything we need. Cause when you go through and you're, you're watching, you're watching tape and you go, Oh man, we could do this. (sighs) Yeah, you could, but you have to rep it. You guys have to be good at it. And the air raid philosophy says, no, we're going to be really, really good at what we do. And we're going to only do these handful of things but you can't defend them all if we do them all well. That's that's what makes the air raid the air raid. Uh, that was in depth. Uh, I appreciate that. It helps my knowledge to understand. And um, I'm going to talk about Johnny T-shirt though right now because <laughs> they're our sponsor, and I got to talk about them and how great they've been to be a sponsor of Inside Carolina, and of course JohnnyT-shirt.com. <clears throat> excuse me, online on Franklin Street, best place to get your Carolina gear for over 35 years, locally owned and alumni operated it's all carolina it's not carolina in 100 different schools it's all carolina sort of like inside carolina all carolina at johnny t-shirt customer service go to the store on game days get anything you need online premium subscribers get that 10 percent discount too with your inside carolina premium membership gets you that 10 percent. saves a lot of money especially when you're buying gear whether it's a Mac and ba- Mac is back show or at some point there'll be an air raid shirt to go along with all the gear. Johnny t-shirt.com and Franklin street Chapel Hill tradition for 35 years and inside Carolina sponsor. Greg, when I listened to Jason talk about it, he sort of got down to the nuts and bolts that I was thinking about listening to all this stuff that players have to, it boils down to players have to be on the same page. And players have to have chemistry. And that's why we're doing these podcasts in the, in, in the summer months talking about this stuff. But that's why these months are so important for guys coming into this system or whether they're freshmen or early enrollees or guys that have been there to be working it all during the summer with the quarterbacks and getting on that same page and develop that chemistry. I think that's going to be the biggest part um, for this offense for it to work is everybody's got to be on the same page. Yeah, and I, think that, and I think that's one of the key reasons why in spring 
uh, Longo and Mac Brown both came out and said, all right, this is what we told our quarterbacks who are all freshmen. Uh, this is not a competition right now. There will be a time for competition that will come in training camp as we're getting ready for that South Carolina game. But the last thing you guys need to be worrying about is competing with one another. You need to be figuring out what Phil Longo wants you to do, how he wants you to work this offense so that you can each get better and play to the best of your potential. At that point, you will be ready to compete. And I think a lot of people heard that and said, ah, that's coach speak. You know, they just don't want to tick off any of the quarterbacks. And maybe there's a touch of that. But I think that's legitimate. When these are young guys learning a new system, um, that, that's the key ingredient. I'm, I was going to ask Jason about this, but the one thing Phil Longo did talk to us about, and, and Jason hit on this, is he preaches chasing grass. And that basically means that the wide receiver should be running to grass. Um, it, you know, a lot of you know, Fedora's offense, of course, had had some flexibility in what the, the wide receivers did. But, you know, if you're running a post route and the safety bells, guess what? The guy's going to run a post route, right? But if that safety decides to crash into the box to stop the run, well, that wide receiver is probably not going to run a post route anymore. He's he's chasing grass, turning that into a vertical where he's wide open. And so that's one thing Longo's talked about is there's actually not a lot of uh, 50-50 balls in his offense. At least there shouldn't be because the quarterback and the wide receivers got to be working together. And so when you have so many guys running downfield, if you've got three or four guys running deep or whatever your routes are running, at least one of them should be pretty open. And that's where the quarterback should be thrown. So you shouldn't have to have these battles uh, you in, in, with a defensive back if you're doing this offense the way it needs to be done. Uh, but Jason, I know it's been a couple years since you you played wide receiver. I guess we're going back fifteen. <laughs> but with all yeah, this talk about, all this talk about flexibility and these guys needing to work with the quarterback, so they can kind of have an understanding. Okay, if the, the defensive uh, back is over here, I'm going this way. Or if the defensive back drops back, then I may cut it short, or I may sit down in the zone. All these types of things. How much of that was taught 15 years ago when you were playing? And how much was it, all right, this is your route. This is your route tree. You need to do these <laughs> things. How much has that developed and how much is that is because of guys like Mummy and, and Leach? Um, so it depends very much on where you played 15 years ago. So there were more offenses 15, 20 years ago that it was just, here's your route tree. You're running a slant. You're running a post. Um, but when, by the, by the early to mid nineties, you were already seeing, so it wasn't just how mummy Steve Spurrier was a big innovator in how wide receivers were coached, maybe even more than mummy overall in terms of how wide receivers were coached, uh, at the college level, uh, because Spurrier, when he started doing stuff at Duke and, and, and elsewhere believed that. The, the, the one of the most important things to do is to teach your, your wide receivers to read the defense the same way that the, uh, that the quarterback did so that, you know, as long as both guys make the same read, it's impossible to cover. Uh, and, you know, that's where the Bobby Petrino school comes from. Petrino basically just combined Spurrier's uh, 
past concepts in terms of how he coached his receivers and some other things with some other some other influences in the run game. And, you know, that's where you get, you know, your Jeff Brahms and all that now. Um, when I was at Florida State, that was the Mark Richt, Brad Scott system uh, that also did the same thing. So we were taught, I, 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 rem- I remember vividly my first year at Florida State when I was told, you need to know what defense you're looking at and what route adjustments you're making by the second by the second step of your release. So you identify pre-snap, you should know middle of field open, middle of field closed. Off your release, you should be double checking your your read on that right away. And then depending on whether the corner's bailing, you you know, you you get your eyes to something else depending on what what you're seeing, but by the second step of your route, you need to know what you're doing. So that, that was already built in 15 years ago, 20 years ago into what I was having to do. Now, uh, that was more in the way that Spurrier co- uh, coached it. That was more, there were some similarities to how they did it in the, in the, uh, uh, in the uh, run and shoot in terms of how they coach that. Uh, but that was, you know, that was already in play in the early 2000s and the late 90s uh, at a lot of the, at a lot of top passing offense uh, offenses. But if you were at a lot of other places, no, it was just it was just you're running the route tree. Um, so a little bit of variation. Now it's there's very few offenses that exist where there's not some degree of wide receivers that are coached to read space, to read coverages, or whatever else. What makes the Longo version different from say what I had to do, and this is something that surprised me when I was at at camp when I was at the clinic and was talking to. Uh, Galloway and DeLongo in terms of how they coach their receivers to do this is at Florida State when I did this and you know in Jimbo Fisher's version which is actually a derivation of that old uh, Bowden Brad Scott uh, uh, Mark Richt offense as well uh, he coming from the Terry Bowden side that that system the receiver has to read the defense so you're actually identifying middle of the field open, middle of the field closed, quarters. You know you're doing some. You're actually fully on, full on diagnosing the way that a quarterback would. In Longo's system, there's actually really not much reading of the defense at all, either for the quarterback or for the receivers. You're identifying man or zone, middle of the field open, middle of the field closed, man or zone, and that's it. You don't. He doesn't care if it's quarters. He doesn't care if it's cover two. He doesn't care if it's cover three. All you need to know as a wide receiver is, is my guy running with me? In, in which case it's man. And that tells me that I need to run away to grass. Or is he running to a zone? And if he's running to a zone, then are we dealing with a middle field open or middle field closed? I should know that on pre-snap. That's it. And so what Longo's done, and that's actually pretty unusual. That's that's And that's coming more from the mummy side. That's different from a little bit more complexity that I got when in the early in the in you know in the early 2000s that's less complex for a guy to to do that's sort of like in in basketball you're feeling whether the guy's running with you on a screen or not that's that's all it is and and he wants guys to be able to play more by feel on that than trying to think about what the actual coverage is he doesn't care what the coverage is it's man or it's zone it's open or it's closed that's it and for him, it's nickel or dime. And that's his open or closed. He doesn't even use open or closed. He calls it nickel or dime. So, um, which is confusing for me because that's, you know, different personnel groups for defense, but that's just his terminology. But 
that's a little different. And, 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 and again, the, the whole purpose of what Longo is trying to do is to take any thinking out of the game for his wide receivers and for his quarterback and to try to make it as much about just intuition and feel and just muscle memory based on what you see rather than trying to think about what the specific coverages are or anything else. So let, let me stop this conversation right now and get a quick commercial break in and, and get these out of the way because I want to sort of break it down for you in the way I think I'm hearing you talk about it and then have you break it down back to me and maybe simplify things a little bit for me and for our listeners. We'll be right back. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So saying that, it, it sounds like the way we used to play football, you know, just get open. <laughs> you know? You're not entirely wrong. <laughs> so it's I come mean, full circle. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, it's basically saying, look, at a certain level, if you're going to try to cover me one-on-one, now I know it's one-on-one and I just beat you. <laughs> right and if it's not one-on-one then i know what concept i have in the scheme of the offense now that i know it's not one-on-one then i do that <laughs> i mean that's classic no more go to the car and take a right now it's just get open yeah and 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 if you think about the receivers that this offense that the air raid offense has put into the nfl it should tell you a lot about the kind of it, it should it should help uh, help a little bit in terms of what you're what you're able to see here and and this is Ryan Switzer would have been a really good one in this offense for that reason but you look at Wes Welker Danny Amendola both guys from where where'd they go to college Texas Tech Texas Tech playing in the air raid for Mike Leach Julian Edelman same kind these those guys those slot receivers that's what that's what makes this offense go is you're asking some poor linebacker or nickelback in the slot to cover that guy 
over and over and over again, where that guy has a two-way go. He can go inside, he can go outside, or he can, and really it's a three-way go. He can either go or he can go inside or outside. And the poor soul who's covering him has to react. And that's really, really hard. And the thing, the place where this offense is going to, is going to live or die as much as anything is having slot receivers, not only who are quick and, you know, have the athletic tools, but guys who are able to have the feel to, to get open against manner zone and be able to find that space. Cause that's really where this offense becomes super quarterback friendly. When you have a couple of those slot guys, then they become a nightmare and that opens up the guys on the outside. And then all of a sudden it's Armageddon for the defense. It, it's just so hard once you have to deal with all of them. And that's where over the course of the summer, they're going to need to find two, three slot receivers that they know they can trust to make the right decision and to do it smoothly and seamlessly and, you know, and, 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 and get open and make it easy for the quarterback. And that, that's why they moved, say, Corey Bell to wide receiver, because he, he's, he's a natural doing some of that stuff uh, to that slot, slot position. But they're going to need to do some of these things. And that's where I think this offense, again, is a little different from what you're seeing with, with Fedora. That's, it may not be obvious to a lot of watchers, but that's where, that's where it's different. So when Miami comes to town and Clemson comes to town in September, and they've got guys that are incredibly athletic along the you know, defensive line, and they're able to uh, get pressure up the field. How does Longo's offense react? How does it make up? I mean, it's one thing if the quarterback has plenty of time and he can fling the ball down the field and wait for his guy to get open. But when there's pressure in his face, what what changes? How How do they adjust? Well, I mean, number one is there's always some short options built in in terms of, of what you're doing, there, there's some release valves. If they're bringing pressure, uh, if the quarterback is pressured, you know, get it out here. You know, this, the, here's going to be your one-on-one. Here's going to be where a guy should be able to get into space. So, so that's what they're, that's what they're going to do first and foremost. But I will say this, there is no offense in football that can solve the problem of a defense that's getting a ton of pressure on you with four, with four rushers. If, if a defense is getting to your quarterback with four rushers without much trouble, you're going to lose the game. You're not going to score a lot of points. I don't care if you're running the air raid. I don't care if you're running the triple option. I don't care if you, it does not matter. You have to be able to protect at least enough for your quarterback to be able to hit the box in the back of his drop and be able to get the ball out on time. So that's number one. But I, I don't, you know, I think Carolina's offensive line, based on what I saw in the spring, is going to be good enough to provide a lot of time. Um, you know, I think they're going to score some points even against, against the Clemsons of this world because of what they have in terms of the offensive line, the running back position, and, you know, the wide receivers and quarterbacks. They're going to be able to – I think they're going to be able to score some points. That's not really where the problem's going to lie. The problem will be able to stop anybody this year. But, uh, but they're, you know, the, a lot of things in the air raid – the, the ball gets out of the quarterback quarterback's hands really quickly, which is why you don't see a lot of teams blitz the air raid uh, blitz air raid teams a ton because quarterbacks have quick options right away. So, uh, so that's, that's really your answer. And again, let's say you're playing Clemson and Clemson has, you know, 11 really good athletes out there. 
But if you've got one guy who you think can can win the one-on-one against their linebacker in the slot, then you just keep going back to that. And you keep, you know, this is the how many times did did Tom Brady throw to uh to Edelman in the uh <laughs> in the Super Bowl? I mean, you're talking about the best athletes in the world on the other side, on the defensive side, and you still can't cover that guy because he's got a two-way go, and you're just asking a guy to do a whole lot. So that's the stuff that that this offense is going to have built in. But like I said, if you're if you're getting a ton of pressure right off the bat, there, there's no offense in, in football that can compensate for that in terms of X's and O's. It does come down to personnel quite a bit. Yeah, and the other aspect that that listeners are, are used to with with Fedora is Longo talks about kind of the third phase of the offense being that screen game. And I found it interesting that, that he talks about it as. They can throw screens out of the passing game. They can also throw screens out of the run game. Um, I think that's a unique way of, of phrasing it. Uh, but in addition to those those quick hits, I, I think you'll see a lot of that to try to offset some of the pressure. That also allows you to get that horizontal aspect to it. One thing he talks about is you know, pre-snap is where you stretch defenses horizontally. Post-snap is where you stress them vertically. Yep, uh, yep. And, you know, Fedora talked a lot about short passes, long gains. Uh, it sounds like, for the most part, you, you'll take advantage of some of the slot guys and the screen passes to handle the, the short passes, but that there will be plenty, plenty, plenty of, of deep throws, which will be fun to watch. Yeah, and, and I will say this. The, that screens, were, screens are, better, uh, are better against blitz looks when teams are bringing pressure, when they're bringing the blitz to get pressure then you screen them. If a team's getting pressure with four, the answer isn't screens because they're, they're sitting back. <laughs> they've got, they've got the guys to get there. So, um, so, so yeah, but one, one thing that they do a lot of in this offense is there's a lot of receiver screens. There's a lot of getting the ball. And, and, and again, we saw a lot of this, like you said, with Fedora, where you're getting the ball on the edge quickly with smoke screens with now, now routes, what the, uh, what they'll call a slice route. Uh, with bubbles, different things like that, that again, we'll, uh, I'm going to break down a little bit there, but yeah, that's, those are pressure releases. If you've got a team that, that is starting to, starting to, to, to dial into what you're doing and getting in your backfield a little bit. Let me ask you a question, Jason, before we get out of here. And it's been, again, awfully informative podcast. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it and certainly look forward to the videos, but, and Greg, you can chime in too. How much of um, what Longo and his staff are looking for from the receiver position specifically, how much of that is coachable? How much of that is just natural? You mentioned Corey Bell and said he's a natural at it or whatever. But, you know, we talk about recruiting all the time at Inside Carolina, but how much of that is something that kids just have versus how much of it as far as knowing where to go, nowhere to break off right routes, chasing grass, whatever you want to call it, versus how much a coaching staff can put that into their players. I'd say it's 64.1% coaching <laughs> and roughly a hundred percent natural. Um, no, I mean, hey, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to really answer that question. The, 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 I guess the best way to think about it is it is coachable provided you have a guy who has the the raw ability in terms of of processing speed 
to be coached to do it. So you have to have a guy who's who's got a natural inclination to be able to do it, to be able to coach it. So there are some guys who who just are never going to get it. But once you have a guy who actually shows some facility, some ability to do that, some some degree of naturalness, then it's very much coached. So you have to have both. But you know, without the without some degree of naturalness and again, it's like playing point guard in 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 uh there, there's so many similarities to what Longo does offensively to what what you see on the on the hardwood at, at Carolina. It's like playing point guard in in uh, in Roy's system. How much of that's natural versus how much of that's coached? Well, I mean, it's really heavily coached. It really is. I mean, you get a guy that he, he you know we're going to see this this next year with a guy who's number three recruit in the country. You know, Anthony is a he's a natural on ball player. But guess what? He's going to have to learn how to play play the position in this offense, and it's going to take a bunch of coaching and all of that early on. But then you've got guys who just don't have the natural ability to even, you know, you can coach them all they want, and they're just not going to be able to run the, run the point guard position in that offense. So it's more like that. But if you start with a guy that has some of that natural ability, then the coaching can really make that difference. And again, it's it's more about how many reps you're getting to practice what you kind of naturally do and then learn from those when you when the coach says no 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 this is what you did this is what you what you feel okay this is what you felt when you feel that next time here's what you need to do oh and then you rep it again and you rep it again and you rep it again and after the about you know 10,000 reps it's it looks second nature and it also helps if we're talking about Ryan Switzer out there compared to, say, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helps to have a little athleticism. <laughs> right. Oh, dang. You can hit yeah. a golf ball. Yeah, I was uh, about to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you with, on the golf course over Switz. <laughs> I, I was, you know, you were talking about Roy Williams and, and the point guards. I mean, they've all gotten the same amount of coaching from Coach Williams, Coach Smith, whoever, over the years. Um some have been really good. Some have been great. Some have been not so good. So yeah, it, it's a lot of coaching, but it's also a lot of natural ability and you just got to have it. And, and I think this is the time of year that Carolina's receivers and quarterbacks, because if you got three quarterbacks in the mix, you got 10, 12, 15 receivers in the mix, a lot of work to be done from now <laughs> until camp opens. Um, a lot of videos to watch from Jason Staples. So we'll get uh, look forward to those. So, Jason, you're on the clock getting those out. We'll talk about Jay Bateman and his defense at a podcast at a later date. The three of us will get back together and do one of those. But, guys, it's been fun. Always a pleasure to talk to Jason Staples and Greg Barnes. And always glad to have JohnnyTShirt.com as our sponsor. Thanks, guys. Mm. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.